so good to have had that prophetic work. Awesome, Dan. Round of applause for Dan. Well, just what a gift to our church. Um, it's, it's just so encouraging. But the, the sense I'm getting is often we have, you know, you might have thought about what you hope this, this year looks like. And obviously we, we pray into that. But God is saying, come, I need you to make some life choices. I, I need you to step into stuff. I need you to get some habits in place. I need you to look at how you're talking and what your prayer life. We've got to get active. Uh, and, and then God can bless that. Uh, and so there's something I want to shift. I, I'm going to do a series of three messages um, which I'm calling Dig Deep, Build High. We all understand the idea of foundations. You know, any architects, James, uh, not James, no, we, um, uh, Tony's an architect, isn't he? You dig deeper so the building can go higher, yeah? We live in a three-story house. If our foundations were one foot deep, the house is going to fall over, isn't it? But because they're very deep, you can go high. Well, it's the principle's true in life. And if we can dig deep in life, our life can go higher. And who doesn't want their life to go higher? So I'm going to look at some principles around that today. And I want to start with this scene here in, in the life of Joshua. He's just started to lead the nation of Israel. And they have a promise from God that they're going to go into the promised land. They're going to go and take Jericho. Now, in the natural, Jericho is a massive city with ginormous high walls that are so thick. Do you know the walls of Jericho were so thick that they had chariot races on the top of them? We're not talking about a wall here. We're talking about a wall you could fit chariots on. It was massive. And they were well trained and well drilled as a people. They were functioning well. They were big and strong and there were lots of them. And the Israelites were a rabble. They've just come out of slavery, they've walked in the desert, they've moaned and God's pulling them together. But what happens is the walls fall down by themselves, the well-trained people get flustered and confused and turn on each other and kill each other, and the Israelite army go and step into their, into their promise without fighting for anything. Isn't that the heart of the Father right there? God wants you to have the promises given you without you having to fight for it. The battle belongs to the Lord. We were just singing it. That is still true today. But where I want to take us is where did that start? It didn't start with the walls falling down and them turning on themselves. It started way before that. And where are we going to start this year if we're going to believe some walls are going to fall down later in the year? If we're going to step into some promise later in the year, later in the decade? We need to start now where Joshua started then. And I believe it started here in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Who wants the Lord to do some amazing things in your world? Come on, let's get a bit. Come on, church. This has got to be the year you give me some feedback for crying out loud. It's a bit lonely up here sometimes. Who wants the Lord to do some good stuff in their life? Yeah, there we are. But it started with consecrate yourselves. Ultimately, consecrating is setting yourself apart for a higher purpose. It's this whole idea of, you know, I can't carry on the same as everyone else and expect God to bless that. I need to stop and pause for a moment and get myself, my thoughts, my prayers, my language, my actions, my habits, what I'm doing, my relationships. I've got to get them in a good place and I'm going to pause and get that right because God's going to bless my life. See, that's where it started. See, it didn't start with them walking around the walls and blowing a trumpet, although what an amazing story that is right there. But it started here. 
Church, come on, consecrate ourselves. We've got to take this stuff seriously. Get yourselves right. Get active. Don't keep praying the prayers, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, and keep living like a Muppet. You've got to get it right, church. Come on, you have stewardship of your life. My role as your pastor is to keep pointing you to Jesus, keep pointing you to Jesus, and hope that you're a clever man, woman, or child that is clever enough to say, I need to make some changes in life. It's not okay just to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. But we're taught in his word. And the Old Testament particularly is for our learning. For our learning to say they had to consecrate themselves. Once they've consecrated themselves, who knows that you start to see things more clearly in terms of the spiritual. And so they cross the river and it opens up and they go across on dry land and they carry the presence of God in the ark all across it. Amazing. I mean, there's story after story here that if any of us were part of that, we'd be like, yeah, that is amazing. And we read it and just go, yeah, this is amazing, amazing stuff. And then this happens in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho... He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a, sword, with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither. And that's, that's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. Turn to the person next to and say, in reverence. Come on, reverence is important in this message. And asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. Hello. There's a theme running here. Daniel didn't know my message. For the place you are standing is holy. Come on, church. How many times is God going to say it to us before we start living like that? And Joshua did so. Here's the thing. Joshua consecrates himself and the people consecrate himself. They go across the Jordan. They meet the captain of the army of the Lord. Just wow, right there. And he says, are you for us? And he goes, no. The bigger question is, are you for me? Do you see? You see, God wants to give them the promise. But the trouble is, and we still live like it today, God, are you for me? We take our list of prayers to God, God, can you bless me? God, can you do the thing I want you to do? And God's just standing saying, I want you to have the stuff, but are you for me? You see, he goes to the captain of the army of the Lord, and when he realises who he is, what does he do? Gets on his face and basically says, we'll just follow what you're doing. Who knows, when you start following what God's doing, good stories unfold. You see, he says, what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to walk around this wall in silence. Good plan. I've always thought that was a good plan. (laughs) But when you know it's God, just do it. You see, they've consecrated themselves. They've got themselves in the right place. So when the captain of the army, the Lord, turns up and says something stupid, they're like, this is God. We can tell because we're in the right place to hear it. Come on, church, we've got to consecrate ourselves. We've got to get ourselves in the right place to hear it so that even when it sounds silly... We're going to say, yes, we're just following you. You see, we think to ourselves, is God for us? Well, of course he is. Jeremiah 29, one of our favourites, isn't it? I know the plans that I have for you, to bless you, not to harm you, to bring good things to your life. That is God's heart for you. It says in the New Testament, didn't it? How can, how, if an earthly father who is you know, messed up 
can give you good stuff. How much more would your heavenly father give you who loves you and his love personified? He has good things for you. But the question isn't, God, are you for me? The question is God saying to you, are you for me? And when we get in alignment with him and walk with him, having got ourselves in a holy place, your story will unfold. And you know what? You won't have to fight for it. There will just be a trumpet blast of victory. That is still God's heart for you, his church. But we have a role to play. It's not okay, church, just to keep blobbing along, bringing our list of prayers. We need to get ourselves and say, I'm for you. As you lead, I'm going to follow because I know my story will unfold. We do some memory verses with our children. Our parents are encouraged to do that kind of stuff. And the first ever memory verse we did was, was uh, Matthew 6. I nearly forgot it then. <laughs> Matthew 6.33, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Uh, and this whole idea of, you know, when you start making it about God and not making it about me, God, your heavenly father, wants you to have the good stuff. But it's in that order. The trouble is in our Christian faith, we make it the other way around. God, if you bless me, then I'll believe in you and I'll do what you want me to do. No, 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 no. When we seek him first, seek first the kingdom. The kingdom has a king, Jesus. When we put him first, everything else falls into place. Can you see? It's the same story time and again, biblically speaking, and it hasn't changed today. Is there an amen in the house? Here is the theme that I want to run with for the next few weeks and I believe we need to run with for an entire year and possibly for the rest of our lives. It's the fear of the Lord. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to get into the fear of the Lord. And let me know, because it's kind of a weird one and I've tossed and turned over this because it doesn't sound very great, does it? But the fear of the Lord isn't about being petrified. The fear of the Lord is having utmost reverence. You see, when you know that God is God and you revere him, it puts you in the place of consecration to watch your life unfold. It's not about being scared. Uh, One of our other prophets, my mother, sent me this and I've just chucked it into my message. She was so flipping good. Isaiah 33 verse 6 says this. He will be a sure foundation for your times. He will be a sure foundation in 2020. He will. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. That makes it more exciting, doesn't it? God wants you to have the good stuff, to have some wisdom in life. But the key to unpack it is reverence for who he is. Do you see what's happening here? This is an exciting message. I want to give you a story from way back in my day. I was 17, so about three years ago. And, um, uh, you know, I was a young guy, sort of academy level football and finding my way and getting interested in girls and all those kind of things that you do when you're that age and all my mates started going nightclubbing and you know I was half a year underage but I thought I'd test the water with mum and dad what do you think I want to go I'm the only one not going and you know mum and dad said okay we'll, we'll let you go on the basis you're back by midnight which was fair enough it's kind of fair enough but the nightclub closes at two all my friends are staying till two. I've got to be back by midnight. So obviously I go out and I, go, I wore the worst outfit you've ever seen. <laughs> Do you know when you're 17 and you think you're it? And I, but I didn't really have many clothes, so I had my school trousers and my school white shirt on. <laughs> I was strutting around like I was the man. I looked a right wally. Anyway, you live and learn. Nothing's changed, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so of course I'm having a good time. We're messing around with my mates and... Never been in a nightclub before and all the lights and all the rest of it. And suddenly look at my clock and it's one o'clock. And I'm like, 
So I literally, I'm like, oh, I was fit as a fiddle. The nightclub was probably three miles from my house. I reckon I did three miles in about a minute. <laughs> and I went sprinting back. And then, then there's that moment where you've got to put the key in the door. And you know it's just the loudest key in the world. You're like, <laughs> oh, no. So I'm walking up, close the door as carefully as I can. I'm tippy-toeing, it's all completely black. I'm tippy-toeing in. And just as I'm about to go up the stairs, this voice comes out of the lounge. Is that you, son? <laughs> Who knows? That's the worst thing you've ever heard in your life. It's just like, oh, no. Who knows in that moment I was fearful? Not because dad was going to hurt me, but because he was going to tell me some home truths and he would be right. Because he could take some privileges away from me and he would be right. And it's not about being fearful that he's going to harm me. It's about having the utmost respect for the authority he has in my life because he wants the best for me. And I knew I was out on a limb and I was wrong. And so there was this reverence. It wasn't being petrified. It's just like he's right. And I know I'm wrong, and he's going to tell me so. But can you see the slight difference? And somewhere, church, in the overall scheme of our faith journey, we need to pack this into the way we see our Father. We need to have some reverence for who he is. Not be scared of him, but have perfect reverence for he wants the best for you. And sometimes it's not okay. And he wants you to know it. Can you see? He wants to unpack your life so that you receive the fullest life that Jesus came for. And sometimes you've got to do some different stuff. You see, the thing is, in our church, and I hope in most churches, we preach grace. And we preach forgiveness. And we preach acceptance. And we preach inclusion. And we preach his friendship. And we preach his peace. And we preach all this stuff. And all of that is good and true and it should be in us. Amen? But also, he's the king of kings. Also, he is our judge. Also, he holds our very existence in his hands. He is almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, and deserves our reverence. See, it's both sides of the picture. It's not one or the other. It's all of it. I found, I stumbled across this picture on my Facebook. Facebook can be really helpful sometimes. Have a look at this picture. I love this. Even if God is our friend, there is still a proper way to face the king. That is it right there. In fact, I just stand down now. Can you see? Jesus is your friend. He literally, literally gave his life for you. And he did it because he wants you to have the best life. But we don't go, all right, Jesus, me old mucker. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of the lords. He's all powerful. If he changed his mind in one moment, then the world would stop existing. But he's also love. And he says, I love you so much. I want this to go well. But consecrate yourself, because tomorrow I'm going to do good things. Can you see where I'm heading with this? There needs to be some reverence in our walk. Something's got to give, church. Now, I'm believing that this building's going to be way too small for us in months. But it will only be that way if we choose as a church to say, we're making this about you now, God. It's not about me anymore. It's about you. Because when I make it about you, you will make it about me anyway. It's always the best way round. But he's God. Digging deep to build high ultimately is being able to pursue Jesus and our spirit person deeply so that our life in the natural will go high. Dig deep spiritually, build high naturally. There's precedent for this kind of stuff in the word. You know, don't give up doing good 
reaper at the right time, you will reap a reward. You're doing stuff over here and later it's going to come good, so keep doing it. You know, we've just had Christmas. Did everyone have a good Christmas? We had a good Christmas. Uh, Mary has a spiritual encounter with an angel who says, you're going to have a baby. It's God's baby. You're going to call him Jesus. She had a spiritual moment which was seen in the natural. Joseph, her husband, to be, has a spiritual encounter because he's not happy about it. He's like, are you sure, love? This doesn't add up to me. But he has a spiritual encounter with an angel who says, no, 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 no. Mary's carrying God's child. And what happened in the spiritual panned out in the natural because he changed his attitude. And he stood with his wife. You see, what happens in the spiritual changes what happens in the natural. You see, I could go story after story after story. You know, in Acts at Pentecost, they're in the upper room. I have a bit of an issue with people who says, oh, I want it to be like the early church. Want to be like the early church, and they go to churches of about six people because they say, "Oh, they met in they met in houses in the early churches." Well, who knows? At Pentecost, three thousand people became Christians. They didn't meet in sixes; they were in the upper room in a house, and we know biblically there was one hundred and twenty people there. They didn't meet in sixes, people. That is not what the early church looked like. There was one hundred and twenty. At Pentecost, in the upper room, because it says so. There could have been 500, but 380 chose not to turn up. Sounds like church. (laughs) But those 120 who were there had this experience, a spiritual experience. And do you know how it panned out? In the natural. Because when they preached, they preached with authority and power. And when they prayed for the sick, they got well. They had an amazing life in the natural because of what happened in the spiritual. So if we could dig deep spiritually, you can expect your life in the natural to go high. Can you see where I'm going with this? This is so, so important. It's time for our lives to flourish, but it will only flourish when we start to honour the king of the kingdom. That's where we need to be, church, and we need to take it seriously. You know, we all understand, you know, wisdom and knowledge is helpful. People who make consistently good and wise choices always end up in a better place. Now, give me a wave if you've made some poor choices in your life. Well done. Oh, that's quite honest, church. That's not bad. That's not bad. You've got your hand down, liar pants on fire. But when we, when we make unwise choices, it rarely and probably never ends up well. So wise choices is just good. So how about we get a little bit of wisdom from God's word from the man who at the time was considered the most wise man on the planet, Solomon. I don't know if you know Solomon, but you can find him in the book of Kings. And he, in 1 Kings and chapter 3, he has a decision to make. He'd gone to the Lord and the Lord says, I've seen you and you're a good guy and what do you want? And he just says, you know, give me understanding. That's what I want. He could have had anything in the world and he asked God for understanding. That's wise right there. And he has this situation where these two women have both had a baby. And they know each other in the same room. And one of the babies is stillborn. And the woman who has the stillborn baby is jealous of the lady who's got a baby that's alive. And in the sleep, she switches the babies. So when the woman wakes up from her sleep, she's got the stillborn and she's distraught. But realizes what's happened. So they go to Solomon because Solomon is the judge. And they say, you know, they explain the situation. Now, what does wisdom do here? That's tough, isn't it? Because he didn't know. He didn't know that story. He just saw one live baby and two mums claiming it was theirs. Do you know what he said? He said, cut the baby in half and have half each. Don't think I'd have said that. But do you know what happened? The mum 
who was the actual mother of the baby, says, no, don't do that, don't do that. Give it to the other lady. I'd rather the baby live. And when Solomon saw her reaction, he knew she was the mum. And he said, give the baby to her. You see, what a wise man. Now, that man who did that, which is epic, wrote this. He wrote much of the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7, I'm going to read you right now. This is the beginning of the book of wisdom written by the wisest man on the planet at the time. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning uh, get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, I believe God's trying to ram home something to us, church. The wisest man on the planet says where it all begins is the fear of the Lord. So church, we need to begin there too. When we start giving God his rightful place and giving him reverence, other things are going to unpack. We will learn to have more wisdom. We will nurture our fear of the Lord and press into the life out of the utmost respect of walking out life with Jesus. You know, when you understand his authority, when you position him as king and make your life about him first, seek first the kingdom, you start to have reverence for who he really is and your lives will flourish. Come on, 2020, let's dig deep. Come on, can we go deep? Can we talk some real stuff and go deeper with our God? Because he will unpack your life in a way you could never do that. It's so funny because you start thinking, you know, what should a, what's a good verse for, for 2020? And, uh, you know, I, I was wrestling around it and stuff. And uh, I'm not saying particularly this should be the verse because I actually preferred mum's one. It's a bit better than mine. But Exodus 2020, do you see what I've done there? I looked at Exodus 2020 and guess what it says? Let's have a little look. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. You just can't make this stuff up. You know, when we're talking about sinning, we talked about this over Christmas. Didn't we? It's about missing the mark. When the fear of God is in you, it stops you from keeping on missing the mark. And when you stop missing the mark, your life will get better. The fear of the Lord is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's about reverencing for who he is. And I know I'm speaking to some people. And if I'm speaking to you today, come on. Come on. Let me be your pastor. Get it right. It's not okay anymore. Get it in you. Your life has to be centered around Jesus to have the best life. For your children's sake. For your grandchildren's sake. For your workmates' sake. For your best friend's sake. You need to be the best version of you. Because then you are a better representation of Jesus. And then we will see churches flourish, and then we will see towns flourish, and then we will see nations flourish, because the church got real. Oh, we're responding this morning. God is saying to us, don't treat as common what God treats as holy. Daniel referred to that again in his prophetic word to us. Moses was caught to the burning bush, and he noticed there was something special, and the burning, God spoke out of the bush and said, this is holy ground. The reason he has to take his sandals off is because it's the sandals that's touching the earth and the earth touches him. So get the earth off of you. Get the world out of you because this is holy ground. That's what that's referring to. 
And so Moses stops. But I think Daniel's correct. that We've done church for so long. We start treating as common what God treats as holy. Gatherings together is a holy place. God does stuff in our gathering, but so often we walk past. Connect groups. I'm promoting church life here. They're a holy place. Your life will be better if you go. But we're like, oh, a bit busy. We're treating as common what God treats as holy. Can you see it? Come on, church. It's time to dig deep into our spirit person because your life will be blessed because of it. Are you hearing me? Let's start treating God and his vision for humanity with the reverence and respect it deserves. So here's the key thought for today. I'm going to do three messages. Today, I want to talk about stewardship of gifts. Next time, I want to talk about presence, God's presence, and how to host his presence. And then I want to talk about principles, kingdom principles, all on the basis of reverencing God. Are you with me? My dad, that particular night I've spoken on, was hard on me because he loved me. See, he knew I had a footballing gift. And he knew my vision and bought into my vision. He believed in my vision that I could go and play for money. Earn a living out of it and, and fulfill some dreams that I had because I was actually good enough. I really was. Long time ago. But he also knew that going out clubbing till half past one in the morning was not going to help my vision. It was not okay. So he said, is that you, son? <laughs> Do you see? You, you, you see, we've got to start living correctly to fulfill our potential. There is something on the inside of you, a dream, a hope, a passion, that is only going to be fulfilled when you get your life right. And we keep saying, God, when are you going to do it? God, when are you going to do it? And he's going to keep saying, are you for me? Are you for me? Are you for me? And we keep saying, God, are you for me? God, are you for me? He is for you, but are you for him? You know, you've got a dream. You've got a hope. Come on, let's put God first. It will change everything. My dad was only ever motivated by my success. And God would only ever be motivated by your success. He sent his prized possession, Jesus, that you'd succeed. And he didn't die on a cross just so that you'd mess it all up. He died on a cross because he says, come on, I'm making a way here. Let's walk this life out together. But I need to be in the right place. Come on, church. Am I speaking to someone? I believe there's people in this room that got all kinds of vision. You know, it could be that you want to be a blessing to students. It could be that you really care about the youth population of our nation. It could be that you care about children and, and the fatherless. It could be that you really care about women and all the wrestles that women have and, and the brokenness in women's life. It could be for men. You know, it could be the poor. It could be the broken. There's something in you that says, oh, when I see that, it just does something in me and I don't think it's okay. Well, good. It's not okay. When we see humanity struggling. And do you know what? Jesus wants to step in. Do you know how he's going to step in? Through the church. It's his A plan and there's not a B plan. So it's me and you people. So rather than looking at these situations and going, oh, it's sad. It's time to step in. It's time to step in. You might be someone who's into teaching. Either from a platform like this or, or in, a, in a place of education. You could be a finance or a business person. Well, flourish. Make it happen. Steward your gift because you're called to fund stuff. Isn't it great that we as a church took an offering that is now going to go and bless Ghana? You know, that's what God does through finances. It's not about us being rich particularly, although that's nice. It's about us being, having the potential to bless someone else. 
But that takes stewardship. You might be someone who's gifted in music or entertainment. You might be into to health stuff or, or church ministry or the family. There is something in you that when you see stuff gets stirred and God put it there. But when you get reverence for the king, you can't leave it there. You have to start doing something about it. And I want to say to you, 2020, it's time to move. It's time to stop procrastinating, stop talking about it, thinking about it, praying about it, looking at it. It's time to do it. Come on, touch three people and say, it's time to do it. There's a parable. This is kind of the final point I want to make. This is a parable that Jesus uses in Matthew 25. Um, most of you will know it. It's the parable of the talents. And I love that it uses talents is really a weight or a measure of gold or, or, or money. Um, modern translations call it the, the parable of the bags of gold, I think. Um, but, but New King James says the parable of the talents. And, and the gist of it is this, that a master comes to three of his servants and he gives one of the guys five talents, one of the guys two talents, and one of the guys one talent. And he says, I'm going away. I want you to steward those talents well. And they go, oh, okay, okay. So the guy with five talents invests it and he doubles it and it becomes ten talents. And the guy with two talents invests it and he doubles it and it becomes four talents. The guy with one talent bricks it and says, I don't want to ruin this, so I won't do anything at all. But what I won't do is I won't lose it. And he buries it in the ground. And here's what happens in Matthew 25 verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. See, the master comes back. He comes back and he says, what did you do with the talent? What did you do? And the guy with the five talents said, I doubled it. And he said, yes, you can keep it all. Well done, that's yours. And the guy with two talents, he said, what did you do with the talent I gave you? And he says, I doubled it. And he says, yes, well done. You, you've doubled it. You, it's yours. And the guy with the one talent says, well, didn't really know what to do. And I got a bit flustered and I, I knew you were going to be hard. And, but I haven't lost it. I, I just buried it in the ground. Do you know what he says? You wicked man. I gave you a talent and you did nothing with it. You could have even put it in the bank and it would have got some kind of interest. Yet you buried it. See, the reality is Jesus teaches these parables for us to learn. And the truth is, people, the master is coming back. He's coming back. He says, so all through the world, we will meet Jesus. Every single one of us. Do you know what? Even people who don't believe in Jesus are going to stand before Jesus. That's going to be a weird day. But we're all going to stand before Jesus. And it's not going to be, for those who have Jesus in their heart, it's not going to be a case of are you in or are you out? Are you in heaven or you're not? That's settled the moment you proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But he will say this. What did you do with the talent I gave you? Well, you know, I, I kind of, I, I had a heart for women and, you know, it I really stirred me and I got busy and I, didn't really, didn't, I kind of didn't do anything with it. You're going to have that conversation. Yeah, I was a bit of a musician and, you know, I could have written some songs and I could have joined the band and I could have been a blessing to some people, but I got busy doing other stuff. And I, You're going to stand before the master who gave you that talent. And he gave it so that you would steward it well. You know, I'm saying this because there has to be a reverence for God. God is your friend. He accepts you. He loves you. He brings you peace and health. But he is also your judge. And there has to be both. 
And so my question to you this morning is, what are you doing with your talent? Because you've all got one. My talent's not your talent and your talent's not my talent. But you've all got something to steward. Did you teach? Did you build? Did you lead? Did you love? Did you reach out? Did you do the thing I put on your heart? Because that moment you stand before Jesus will be a reverence moment. And we have the opportunity now to stand before him and go, I invested it. I didn't get it right every time, but I gave it my best shot. and That'll be good enough. It isn't going to be good enough when you say, I did nothing. Come on, church, can I stir you a little bit? Come on. I don't know where your heart is, but I know there's something. You know, we're not the same as each other. Not everyone could stand up and give a great prophetic work like Daniel did. But maybe that's not your call. Maybe your call is to go and hang out with some kids and be kind and show something of Jesus. Maybe your, your talent is that you're actually brilliant with money and you're going to start investing in kingdom activity so that churches around the world could spring up and mission could happen and this church could grow. And Maybe that's your thing. So don't bury it and sit on it and go, I was going to give one day. Come and steward it well. Can you hear what I'm saying? I hope I'm stirring something in you. This is so, so important. Because Jesus is saying, are you for me? And it's not just about words. It's about how you're going to live. What you're going to do. And we get to do that together. So I hope I'm stirring something. We've become a bit reverent now. I hope I'm stirring something in you. Because God wants you to have an amazing year. And an amazing decade. But how we live now, how we steward our life now, will directly impact what we experience then. So now is the time. Now's the time to do something with your life. Stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. Stop telling me you're praying about it. Let's do something. Is there an amen somewhere? Hmm, What do I do with this now? How about stand up? Father, Lord, we stand before you on holy ground. Not literally taking our shoes off, but getting the world out of us and off of us because you're holy. Lord, we cry out to you and say, give us great clarity. What do you want us to make important? We give you the kingship of our lives. Come on, church. We give you a rightful place. We put you on the throne. We make it about you. And thank you that the promise goes when we make it about you, you make it about us. But for our part, we make it about you. Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing on your church for every area of life. Lord, that we would start doing and seeing and speaking and experiencing things that had to be you because we put you first. Let us develop as a church and as individuals a healthy fear of the Lord, a reverence for your kingship. Not making things common, but respecting holiness. Let us be a holy church that when people come into a place like this they're like wow there's something different here and it it stirs me because they stand on holy ground 
I just want to give opportunity for anyone to respond. If you're standing here today, stir to say, yep, I'm up in my game. I'm going to do my very best to get Jesus in the center of everything. I'm going to do my very best to work on my reverence of God and unpack that and take steps into it. Maybe right now is a good opportunity to say, yeah, I'm going to pray that in. Can you give me a wave if that's you? Because I'm going to pray together. Bless you. Oh, so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Let's do this like our salvation call. I'm going to pray a line and I'll invite you all to pray with me. Father God, we put you first. You are king. Take the throne of my life. I put you in the middle and I keep you there. You are first and I will follow you. I'm for you. Amen. 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 Just one last prayer, just with every eye closed, if you're willing. Is there anyone today who actually wants to get their life right with Jesus? You're not right with him and you know it. And this morning you're like, yeah, come on, I need to get right with Jesus. It's the day, the day you decide that I'm putting you first and I'm getting you in the middle of my life. If that's you, just with every eye closed, give me a wave. I'd love to pray with you. God bless you there. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you there. Thank you, Father. Anyone else? I've seen two hands. Church, let's never deem these moments as common. People are making life choices that heaven rejoices over. So let's celebrate this stuff. So we'll pray a prayer like we just did. I'll pray, you pray. Father God, thank you that you love me. Today, I invite you into my heart to lead me forward. You are my friend. You are my saviour. You're my judge. You're the king of kings. I give you my life. And all God's people said, amen. Come, let's give Father a round of applause for what he's doing.